I do have to let everybody know that we were contacted by a major pharmaceutical company that is hawking arthritis medicine and was asking if Jack's Wax Packs would <laughs> accept sponsorship for his team. <laughs> chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 22 entitled, Soft Playing It. Okay, welcome everybody to episode 22. Low key, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, riding the playoff train. That a boy, Jack Swagger, how are you tonight? What's happening, fellas? Doing well. Beautiful. G-Bone, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. All right, boys, here we are. Week 19, final games of the regular season. Let's do a quick rundown of those games, and we'll get to the standings and the playoff picture. Mr. Blonde's Heroes playing 47 Ronin. This was supposed to be the epic game of the season when we set it up in preseason, and it was epic for absolutely no reason. But it was a great fucking game. Blondie with the win. The next game, we've got Omission Commission against the Dreamers. And this is one where Scotty's team, who's been crushing it lately, had to squeak by the Dreamers, who did finally start Freddie Freeman this week. Omission Commission won 44-42. Lethal Injection suddenly woke up in Week 19 and threw up the top score of the week with a 59, leaving no doubt that he was beating Bad Street who came in with a 33.9. St. Low Cash puts up a strong 48, but faces Reardon Metal, who's been hot as of late. Reardon Metal wins 55-48. to 48. And Jack's Wax Packs, could you say limps into the playoffs? Funk and Punks beat him 49-37. to 37. So this this creates a standings where Jack's Wax Packs still in the big boy division, wins the division. Fly the flag, Jack. Congratulations. Awesome, awesome display. Just a great job all around. In second place, we have 47 Ronin with 8 and 11. Funkin' Punks in third place also with 8 and 11, although 47 Ronin steps above because of the points, which does come into play for the pitching staff picks. And then Blondie, Mr. Blonde's Heroes, with the win, moves to 7 and 12. In the Bonds division, Lethal Injection with the win, moving to 10 and 9, an over 500 record. St. Locash with the loss moves to 9 and 10 and Bad Street at 3 and 16 and then the McGuire division so Mission Commission and Reardon Meadow both with wins both at 14 and 5 and the Dreamers loss brings them to 8 and 11 Jack I know you've been doing some work putting some pencil to paper as you always do and you've figured out the playoff scenarios 
I, for one, can't wait to hear. So I'm going to hand the microphone over to you. Took a while. And in fact, there you know, still some games going on, but it looks like everything's pretty well solidified. You know, the latest thing to get decided was, again, that, that McGuire division with Joe and, uh, and Scott. They're going to finish with the same record. Even though they will finish with the same record, Joe is going to end up with the division and thus the number two seed, dropping Scotty to the four seed. Congratulations. Congratulations, Joe. Uh, Mike is going to be the three seed again the worst record, but still the three seed as the division winner in the bonds. And then, of course, myself coming out of the Griffey. So the matchups are going to be myself and Scott, the wild card team. And then Joe and uh, Mike will be facing off. I did a little homework. Mike's team is uh, finished season 10 and 9. Joe 14 and 5. Joe was almost three points better per game than Mike throughout the season. So a little bit of an edge. He's going to get that home field advantage as well. They did face each other twice this season. They split uh week one joe won by a few points a close game uh week 10 mikey pulled off the victory by just a, a point and a half uh reared metal had two streaks this year a five and an eight game winning streak uh one of which is still going on mike actually started out four and oh if you remember oh yeah uh, this at the same point, Joe was actually one and three. Uh, so Mike started out four and zero. Then he went four and four, uh, and then he dropped four in a row. He had a rough patch there, uh, and then ended up pulling off two or three at the end. Reardon, as I said, started one and three, and then went on an eight-game run in the middle of the season. Dropped those two back to back, and then again finished with uh, with five in a row. Both teams scoring over fifty points this past week. Both teams are two and four versus the other three playoff teams mm. in the last. 21 days, last three weeks, essentially. The pitching staffs, Cleveland has a total score of 23.5. They are actually the best of the playoff staffs in the last three weeks. The Nationals 16-6 are the uh, lowest score of the the playoff staffs going in. You know, Mike did it with, uh, with a bunch of guys that nobody else really had a lot of desire with uh chris De- chris with a k davis um has uh has been obviously crucial for him uh nelson cruz and then rizzo are his guys of course we all know uh the trades not that that joe had a bad team before the trades but stanton obviously has uh, <laughs> has propelled him picking up Posey again up there in the catchers. Of course, Kutch coming back and uh, and has been tearing it up the last month. So it's going to be an interesting game, an interesting series. I don't know what you guys think about it specifically now that we actually know that uh, that those two teams are playing. We got any opinions out there? Well, I think my preseason prediction that Joe's going to take it all the way uh, is looking good right now. He did have a slow start, but I think he's ridden Kutch's resurgence, uh, overcame that trout injury, and uh, I was watching a different game today but they were talking about stanton going deep again today uh, and i didn't realize how hot he is he's had 21 home runs in his last 105 at bat yeah that's pretty 35 amazing games i think yeah ridiculous yeah, you know, came out of nowhere it, well and and you know who, who's in the starting lineup and, and being a stout contributor but justin smoke you know formerly my team's namesake uh, as as a microcosm of failure you know but now here's justin smoke uh risen from the ashes and uh leading you know part of a really strong effort by Joe's team. I think Joe also, from the national staff this week, he had 11 points. And I think if I'm to look at a weakness in Joe's team, it's the pitching. You know, do you get 11 or do you get seven? I haven't gone back and done the stats, but typically when you get those sevens, you're you're in a tough spot and you need a lot of hitting to overcome and win and, and probably some luck against the, the scores. And the 
Indians are pretty consistent, uh, and I know uh, low key that you're concerned about the Indians and their consistency. Then I look at Mikey's team and I say, geez, you know, a guy named DeJong got him a 7.8. Nelson <laughs> Cruz got an 8.4, which you know, Nelson Cruz can do. He can also strain a hammy and be out for two weeks. You know, Chris Davis with a K, a 7.4. Good player this year. Again, kind of up and down. Catcher position for him is is kind of confusing. I think this is going to be a good fight. I think it's going to go three. I think one of those three may involve the use of the home field advantage where you get 1.5 extra points. I think Joe takes that series in three. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it's Joe's series to take. It's It's... Definitely the team I wanted to play in the first round. I'm a little bit concerned some of my injuries are starting to catch up with me and I don't have a lot of depth and my pitching (laughs) has been all over the place for the last month. Do you just stick with the Nationals? Do you just stay with them and and run? Yeah, because I got to tell you when, when, you know, depending on, I mean, if Houston's playing the worst two teams in the American League, you know, maybe I take a gamble, but their drop off, in points has is almost directly related to to uh Correa going down. As soon as he went down, they started falling apart. Mm-hmm. The Nationals have made a couple of moves. They seem to have gotten a little better. So barring some sort of statistical anomaly, I'll I'll probably stick with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're only gonna go as far as they take you. The other thing I was gonna add is that a couple of weeks ago I was sitting there thinking, boy, if only I hadn't made that trade for Posey and still had Altuve, I would feel better about my infield field and then Contreras goes down all of a sudden Posey's a big player on my team again yeah I was going to point that out. obviously I, I would have to say Joe's the favorite in the series I expect him to uh to win it as well all right so um so the other game much closer we uh have the one and the four seed uh, omission coming in as the wild card however 14 and five in the regular season jacks wax packs 14 and five uh in the uh, regular season so a matched record i had 19 uh, coming into t- t- today i believe i had 19 more points than them over 19 weeks uh, so that is uh, about a point per game better. So very close. We played each other twice. I beat him by three forty-five forty-two uh, in week ten here just recently. He ended my streak, continued his with a fifty-four point four to forty-two victory. So he beat me up pretty bad in that one. So both teams this season have had ten game winning streaks. Omission closed the season with theirs. So it is current again, kind of a, a tale of two. Uh, omission actually started out four and one and they lost four in a row after that so they went from four and one to four and five and then have run off 10 in a row <laughs> since then so jeez, um very uh yeah, very jay bruce-ish the jacks wax pack started out two and three and uh, then went on that 10 uh 10 game run and uh closed out two and two both teams have gone four and two versus the other three playoff teams pitching wise uh Actually pretty close, uh, a lot closer in the last 21 than the first 21 games, uh, days of the season. The Dodgers 20.5, the Cardinals 19.2 over those wow. last few weeks. Really? Yeah. You know, Missions had a few guys along the way. The main guy has been Judge. Again, they've had some some different guys throughout. Ironically enough, 
I actually have the top two players in the league. They're actually tied for first in Paul Goldschmidt and uh, and now Charlie Blackman. So mm-hmm. definitely going to need quite a bit of those two, in my opinion, to uh, to get by these guys. It's going to be a good series. It's two good teams. Um, again, interested to uh, to hear what you guys think. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that uh, Jack takes this series. The pitching superiority, I think that could be the deciding factor, the home field advantage and the pitching superiority combined with, you know, can't really say judges cooling off, but he's slowing down. He's not at a record pace anymore. I, I give the nod to Jack. I think fate uh, has, I'm not going to pussyfoot around. I think fate has uh, decreed that Jack and Joe meet in the finals. It certainly wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, when you look at Jack's team, he has a lot of players that in real major league baseball actually have a lot in the line for their own team. These are veteran players. These are players that know how to gauge, manage their energy and to bring it on when they need to bring it on. You look like, a, you know, look at a Cano, uh, you look at a Blackman, you look at a Goldschmidt, look at a Longoria. You know, I think maybe in a strange way, the age of his team will actually help him in his fantasy team. I think getting the pitching staff just settled in quick, Bucking around with the Cubs, I think, is important. Remember, this guy, you know, he's got Jose Batista on his bench, for Christ's sakes. Nick Castellanos is a nice third baseman that he can plug in should there be an injury. But look at uh, omission commission. For Scotty, it's all about that Cardinal staff. You know, we talked about the streak. The streak happened when the Cardinals started to settle down and, and win, and that consistency has helped him through the ups and downs. I mean, he he's done a great job of picking up some players. Dozier, I think, is big. But the reality is, is that Judge won him at least two games. We know that for a fact. Or at least I know that for at least one fact. <laughs> there have been articles about Judge having strikes called unfairly against him. I think that's fucking bullshit. I think that the, the league is adjusted. I think the Red Sox figured it out two and a half months ago and were able to execute on it, and the rest of the team is following. It just the composition of that team just doesn't seem to make a believer out of me. So I'm going Jack again in three. I don't think the, the home field advantage points will come into play. But I do think I I do think it will be another Jack versus Joe uh, game World Series, and then we can talk about who will think win there once we find out who actually makes it. Since I'm fucking wrong every time. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I mean all, all year long I've been not all year long, but earlier in the year I said that with Scott's players as good as they were playing, they were young, and some of them were uh, just newly stepping into full time roles. And you look at Scotty's bench, and it's not deep. You know, you got fam down there. You got uh, some other guys who who aren't exactly um, you know scary prospects to to do to do damage on a weekly hey, hey, basis. Hey. Benintendi is scary down there at a seven point. Yeah, well, he's handsome as hell. That's for sure. He hasn't lost any of his looks. Sure but, <laughs> but again, with Judge slowing down, Schaub, you know, the, the Jack's veteran players, they've been through the grind of 162 mm-hmm. games. They've been in this these mid to late August games. They know how to condition themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, maybe judges, maybe they are adjusting to him. I don't think it's the umpiring. Maybe they are adjusting to him. Or maybe he's just a young guy who's never dealt with this grind of, of this many games in the spotlight, in a playoff race. Whereas, uh, to your earlier point, Tim, Jack's players are all veterans, and they can kind of, uh, they, they know when they're well, and they know when they need to rest, and they seem to be taking care of themselves. Well, beautiful. I think I think it's going to be an exciting playoffs, and 
Bockers, we are committed to taking you week by week through the playoff games for the next six weeks. We have what it is. It's a best of three series, uh, and there'll be two series. So it could be as short as four weeks or as long as six weeks, but we will be there for every game to take that to you. And let's go ahead and refresh our drinks, gentlemen, and we'll be back, and we're going to have a great guest. We're going to talk to Scotty, the Mission Commission, talk to him about a few different things, including his thoughts on the playoffs. Bockers, welcome back. We have Omission Commission owner Scotty on the call, and we wanted to get his thoughts on the playoffs. But before we get there, Scotty, I know you and I had a chance to talk, and you were bringing up parts of our conversation heard on the podcast last week, and you felt uh, that we were probably pussyfooting around a little bit, and you had some opinions as to what we were talking about. So we're all thinking it'd be great to hear your thoughts on that and maybe talk about it a bit. So question number one to this group, did you guys have a follow-up conversation earlier on the podcast tonight? Anybody uh, say anything that was l- maybe left unsaid on the prior podcast? No, I, I actually told them what you said. I said that you said that swag was pussyfooting around, that Greg was just really kind of opposing swag, and that Joe was the only one that really had any strong things to say. Mm -hmm. That's an accurate statement. I just thought that you started getting somewhere into an interesting conversation and no one took an extreme stance. I was waiting for a debate. I thought you guys were setting up well for a really nice argument and it turned into just a retelling of the tale, retelling of the story over and over without really getting anywhere. So are we going to legislate this or are we going to agree that Hey, it's survival of the fittest out there, and we are going to let people make their own choices. And I, I get to your point, I think Joe is the only one that took a libertarian stance on the matter and said, hey, if that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. So <laughs> I, I just I wanted and I know Greg a little bit over the from over the years. And I know Tim, I, I kept waiting for Tim to drop the hammer and really carve out a debate to kind of go at it and take sides. I think the tough thing for me is that uh, Tim mentioned it last week. I, Dustin is the person who I, I know. I don't know. Well, you know, I was going to say I know least, but I don't know LJ very well or Mikey very well, really. But I, I don't want to take a strong position on what his motive might be. As far as taking a strong position on whether or not uh, you should be allowed to do it, I, I can see both arguments. <laughs> There, there's a lot of things that contributed to that situation, or maybe it was nothing at all, but you should play to win. Um, I do believe that firmly. I, I think you're proving his point, though, aren't you? You just say, uh, you, you know, you're not saying anything. You're like, I could go either way. No, I, yeah. But me, I could. Uh, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's an unwritten rule. No, I think you should I, I, play to win. But, right. uh, you know, I don't know that he's not doing that. That's what I mean. I think it might have just been bad Talking baseball. About two different things. That's part of the problem. The conversation kept going back and forth with two different conversations. So conversation one is, should you put your best lineup in every week? That's an absolute yes, in my opinion. There's no debating. There's and no I agree. Defense, and we've kind of made it to the case within everyone's kind of agreeing to it. There's this one person that's kind of on the outskirts, which I don't know personally if he knows 
knows that that's what we want in the league, at least majority-wise, if not unanimously. If he thought that it was okay to try to lose, and and then then that's cool. Then I'm cool with it. Then let's educate him. And hopefully everyone agrees. Now, if somebody wants to stand up and, and argue that, then we have a whole nother discussion. And, and I'd be happy to get into that, too. Essentially, we as a group are going to say, hey, that's not your best lineup. You're, you, you, we're going to make you win or we're going to make you when, lose or we're going to penalize right. you in some way, right? We're going to take away a, well, a, a player pick from you next year because you put in a shitty lineup. Well, I don't want to do that. No, I don't think it, I, I don't expect it would come to that. And it hasn't had to up until this point. Until this point, everyone that is in the group and within the league has gone, you know what? You're right. That makes sense. I'm going to do that. It seems like the right thing to do. If somebody wanted to defy it or, you know, or, or say, no, I'm, that, this is what I want to do, then we'd have to discuss it, you know, as a league and, and make it known because right now the assumption is the opposite you know where you do get into pussyfooting is the ranking of players there's definitely a level of player where you have no right to say anything to anyone about who they're putting in their fucking lineup but there's a tier of players and that's that particular tier was what i was talking about those top guys that are expected to be in there this particular player was one of them but who decides that who's the top tier like who Who's the arbiter of the top tier? Yeah, that, there, there's the slippery slope. Yeah, and it, it is the slippery slope, and this is where it kind of kept going back and right. forth. I, you're right. At some point, who right? Who's the last guy, and 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 who's the first guy that doesn't necessarily matter? I, that I, I I couldn't tell you. I I could make a list, I guess, personally of who I thought was the case, but <laughs> you usually don't see it. It generally doesn't happen so it really has never come into play and there's never been a need for a rule i don't want a need for a rule i think before we talk about intervening i think tim's right we need just to reach out to players or you know, our, our fellow competitors and just call them out on that sort of thing because i don't i don't think it is pervasive scott what was your opinion on that i mean you were fired up that we didn't have strong opinions, but what is your opinion? Where do you stand on that stuff? I'm more with Joe, and I don't think you can govern with unwritten rules. Either you have a rule or there is no rule. And so I would say let guys do what they're going to do. It's going to impact certainly their season and potentially other seasons this season if they're going to kind of soft play a, a lineup. There are ways to soft play your lineup without making it look like you're soft playing your lineup, right? You can trade away, you can drop, you can do Pick other things. Other, right, you can do other things. Pick up the pirates, that's right. And this is this right. is where I thought that in, <laughs> the, the discussion was really interesting because there were all these other intricacies. There, there are ways that I hadn't even, and thank you for educating me, there were, there were ways that I... <laughs> I hadn't even really considered, you know, it, it, next season, if Thanks I'm, you know, heading into week 19 and I'm say I'm five and 14 and I, and I, I want to try and get a top draft pick. I'm probably going to try and soft play my lineup without making it look like I'm soft playing my lineup. So it's might as well just let me do it. Right. It might as well unhinge me. Let me do what I want to do and achieve my own objectives. You're trying to, the other side of the game is trying to achieve to win. Maybe I want to achieve to lose. Scott, you're, you're considering soft playing the playoffs, aren't you? So you can lock in that seventh pick next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my team's like dying around the vine right now. You know, you might as well. That'd be the safe. That would be the smart play. That would be the fiscally responsible play. Actually, that'd be fiscally irresponsible. If we want to do a game theory on this one, he's mm -hmm. got to fucking win it now. I have a he's shot. In. I have yeah. a shot, right? There's a lot of money in that kitty. Yeah. There isn't a team that's playing that doesn't have a shot at it. They're, they're all strong contenders. Okay, so going back to 
this whole discussion, though, and I'm curious about Jack's opinion on this. So would it be a bigger transgression if you were soft playing? Uh, we've got, we, I think we've coined a new term tonight, soft playing. Uh, if you were soft playing... Um, Pussy footing. <laughs> If you were uh, to use Scott's term, pussy footing, if, if you're consistently given up on the season and you're underplaying your hand, let's say, you know, that's just your strategic plan as an owner. But it would be a lot worse, though, if you started saying, well, you know what, I man, I, I'm so pissed off at that, Joe. So I'm going to lay down this week and let the dreamers beat me. You know, that would be much, much worse. Right. You know, and to Joe and Scott's point, if your strategy is like, listen, I've get, it's week seven. I've given up on this year. I think I'm not going to put in minor leaguers into my starting lineup, but I'm going to play guys who probably aren't going to score a lot of points anyway. And I'm going to really uh, vie for that top one or two draft pick next year. Um, as long as you're doing that consistently, I guess there'd be some honor in that, right? or not it just it gets it gets weird right because i think we brought up the chris davis chris with a c davis trade and what happened there and and so right essentially what the unwritten rule is is really don't fuck with the teams that are trying to get into the playoffs that that's really what it is and so we're, we're giving dominance to inside the season to the teams that are still in the race so if you're getting lapped, put your best lineup out there. What I'm hearing is there's a strong libertarian bent in the league to just allow someone to put active players in, manage your team, but we're not going to say you should put Freddie Freeman in, even if we think that's what you should be putting in. And I think that Jack is less on the fence. I think Jack came out tonight and said, no, I, I, I think we actually should. And the problem would be, how the fuck do you design something like that? I know right. it when I see it. Like, holy shit, you know, that's that's a tough one. And we've allowed it. Like I said, we've allowed it. It's not it's not something that's coming to play throughout the course of a season or or it's the, the game-by-game decisions, you know, the day-by-day decisions. Again, you know, w- was Tim's team better at the end of the season than it was at the beginning of the season? No. The playoff teams that played Tim's towards the end benefit in that aspect? Yes, or should have, essentially, mm-hmm. by the fact that, that he had less firepower towards the end of the season and that's you know that's something that is known and and assumed and and kind of played you know even then tim's putting a full lineup in and and was winning games and and yeah because i didn't want to yeah this this all i mean i'm sure it's been done i'm sure that that somewhere but like i said it's not something that that even really comes up or 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 is addressed unless it's so or at least appears to be so out of whack and and like i I said we've been able to we've gotten this far without it coming up so if anyone is doing any of those things they're doing it well enough or softly enough that it's not really you know resident raising any flags um you know freeman it was you know just a, a again one of those players that that you know, raised a flag if again if uh, well let's be honest that what really raised the flag we wouldn't even be talking about this we'd be chalking up uh this whole thing to bad baseball were it not for the fact that there was some question about the dreamers franchise and what was going to happen to them correct right, right. No, right. that started the whole right there was a new yeah. owner and then so now you're immediately concerned uh, not that he he wasn't a part before but but he wasn't you know the only owner so you know ownership is a concern you want to make sure that everyone is you know, attentive and well, we again, were worried about a zombie the, team. And so we were all kind of looking interest. at, yeah, I mean, I look at the games, but I don't scrutinize every personnel move for an injury, but because we all had that fear of the zombie team on our minds, we were looking at it a little more closely and then it made us scratch our heads a little bit. Yeah. Joe, did Scotty assess your 
position well that you think, fuck it, it's just, it, it is what it is? Well, I think that that's always going to be my point of view, especially when you're paying money to play. You, you should be allowed to make your decisions unless there's a rule. Well, On the other the- side of it, though, I am completely in line with Greg's way of thinking. That, that's the way I've always approached my games. When I'm out of it, I'm still trying to win every week. There's two, in my opinion, there's two ways of, of doing this. Number one is the rule simply is everybody do your best every week whether you're in it or not put in your best lineup every week if everybody does that if you don't do it while you're looking at your lineup and you're the only one that knows you're not doing it then you got away with one whatever um if you make it too crazy then somebody will bring it up and you get called out i mean that's the punishment right you get called out that's what's happening pretty much hey what are you doing the other is you know what about the possibility of a a lottery for the non-playoff teams for draft the next year now you're not guaranteed you know by losing you're going to be three or four or you know you just have a better chance no no i fucking love that let's do it this coming year (laughs) no not this year no totally this year we'd have to put it no 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 i think i actually think wait we we have a great idea no, no, no. Not it is we can't change of- rules in the middle of the season. We're not. Okay. It's next season. It's a great rule. I think that rule is fucking awesome. And I know that Chris will support me on this. Chris, I know you're listening right now. <laughs> let's let's lock on and make this happen. This is a great fucking idea. It is something to consider for the future. It's the it's the uh, it's a pop- It's funny that Jack brought up the lottery because I think the root of all this problem is the pitching staff situation, right? It's a keeper league, so you grow your prospects, you manage your players, and then a huge chunk comes down to the pitching staff, right? And that's that's the incentive, right, for bad behaviors. Twenty twenty to twenty three percent of your scoring, yeah. So it would make sense to either do some kind of a lottery, mix it up, or change the scoring to reduce the impact of the draft pick a little bit. And maybe the problem's gotten worse because we've brought in more teams. And so, you know, there's a big gap between the top few pitching. Basically, if you get a great pitching staff, you've got a shot at having a decent season. And if you get a six or seven or lower, your chances of being able to have a winning season and a shot of the playoffs is is much less. Sometimes until you find out that Jack picked up the Dodgers at what? Seventh? Seventh. Seventh. Yeah. We, one of the reasons I think this league is so active into the late, the third, the last third of the season is because there are incentives to pay attention, to keep trading, to keep doing the things you need to do. So, and because you know, next year you got a shot. The assumption is <laughs> that you're not going to have that much movement from year to year on the players, which obviously does happen. Right. But, um, so you, you give them the opportunity. So joke, but joking aside, the lottery is actually yes, the first the thing lottery. I heard that gets at the, yeah. it fucks up the game theory. It de-incentivizes the race to the bottom. Bingo. Right. You, you, and so well, that, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. You know, that statement assumes that there was an incentive that we were all racing for the bottom who weren't making the playoffs. I will, you know, no, your, incentive, the your incentive with your comment right now is you have the first pitching, pitching staff pick next year. <laughs> well, no, no, so yeah, anything true. you say about the lottery is going to be taken by the fact. I wasn't racing to the bottom not everyone's going to adopt the race to the bottom but there are people that may feel that pull right maybe may feel we don't may know feel that, that. if everyone voted for a lottery i'd live with it it's, this is you know supposed to be fun and, and collegial i'd live with that i vote but um but yeah, we, i we but if we do that no not not this season 2018 season not the 2017 season that draft's already done the 2018 season what, what, whatever, but 
What I'm the other thing I think we should consider though is a serpentine draft. Nah, I fucking hate that. You I, you talked to me about that before. I you gave me a year to think about that. I don't like it. Oh well, look at Tim. Well, you're just the serpentine draft. Megalomaniac uh, Moscato there with. Uh, no, I've thought about it. No, we don't know that. Dismissed. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, again, commissioner the ruling. Kim Jong Un is, is commissioner here. The, the the losing teams <laughs> and and because our player draft has gotten to the point where you know there's very little benefit in the draft player draft for that season. Every now and then you'll snatch a guy or you'll grab a guy and hope that he turns into a, a Zimmerman for that season. But, you know, the only real possibility of, of a drastic um, addition to your team in the draft is the, the staff. So, um, no, I, think know, it, we, it, I think we call this the favorable randomness rule and that we have a lottery and we, at the beginning of every year for the pitching staff, I absolutely Fuck, we can do it in 2019. I don't care. But I love the idea because it it, it deals directly with the incentive we're talking about. And we yeah, call yeah, it, right. it, it, it certainly would, it. but it would change. And I don't care, but it would change some in season trading, um, some deals because yeah, yeah. You, no, we, it we wouldn't. Trade, it would not. What would, you no no pick. no? Check this out. Basically, everyone has every losing team has a share in the lottery. So the four playoff teams would pick in in the end. However, Correct. you could trade your share in that lottery. So I could collect three shares in a lottery of six teams. Right. So one of Correct. your ping pong balls, you're trading. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yeah, we would have to well, figure I mean, out what that, that number. That still yeah, would yes. be a, a change. It would change trade. it. Correct. But it wouldn't. It wouldn't stop it by any means. It would right. just change. It would change. The There's done. still a market. Right. There's still a market. Absolutely. But that mar- and that market would be priced changed. effectively. But, but there's a difference between knowing for sure that I'm getting Pops as number one pick and knowing that I'm getting a greater chance to get that number one pick. It's different, and it's it's fun too. But it is different. Yeah, uh, that's fair enough. That, that's fair enough. And you've had you've <laughs> traded for the first pick the last three years, right? So this is kind of a move. I think so. Yeah. So I think Scotty kind of had a deeper kind of approach to try to hamstring you in this little method that you've got going on. Uh, he's bitter. He's always been jealous of me. Bitter. Those <laughs> Cubs. So, Scotty, are you going to win it all or someone else? It's not looking like it right now. Sure. The Cardinals tank today. My first baseman's on the DL. Judge has get, gotten figured out by the league. <laughs> I'm, strugg- I'm struggling. You're, you're, the, you're the bizarro world, Jack Swagger, Scotty. <laughs> The playoff matchups are set. So it is Joe and Lethal Injection. You actually ended up in fourth place as the wild card. So you are playing Jack's Wax Packs. So it is you and Jack. So Jack is the home team for two of those three games. He gets one and a half points, if you remember from your first time in the playoffs. Oh, I he forgot gets, about that. He gets the uh, the two-run home run, the two-and-a-half-run home run. Um for week one and if needed week three and then you get it in week two so you are going up against jack's wax packs now if you take a look at jack's wax packs for the last five weeks you've had better points than he has we all showed scotty respect and then shit all over his chances right is that (laughs) well we just we looked at the fact that shaw's hurt and that just what he said he he just he just covered all all, most of our points that uh shaw's hurt and and judges you know not cooled off but slowing down and one one other factor that there, there was some talk about age coming into it which mm-hmm. oddly enough talking about scotty specifically and and age and my old guys but at this point mm. again we're talking about a, a you know a three-week season so yes does the 
experience, the fact that they've been through the the rigors of the season, so on and so forth, come into play and to to my benefit at this point in a, a short, you know, three game season. Unquestionably, you have the most handsome outfielder of the two teams, Scotty, on your team. High but... HQ. High HQ. <laughs> but how how how, how I got Chuck nasty. To, the, to the run we'll, we won't know until until we actually see it. How cool would it be to get the ten of us in a room and have a couple beers, talk baseball, be dorks with our shirts that say high HQ <laughs> and just have a good weekend. I, I would be down for that. The reality and is I, I, I would travel to wherever we, we could do a we Florida could... one year and we can go to Branson, you know, do, split the difference. There you go. I'm not going to Branson. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> so Joe, Neil Stevenson, low key will not be going. So the, the, the not to Branson, not to not Branson. Branson. He's, he's been in Missouri. I'll go to Springfield, but not Branson. Oh. Well, we could do Florida and next Russell. year and then Phoenix the year after, and we could kind of make it a thing. When I beat Jack, I'll be in the money this year. And so I'm going to set Woo! that aside for my trip. Ooh. <laughs> Ten twenty eight. Yeah, he was writing it down. You're writing it down, Jack. He's gonna mail it to me and tell me to eat that shit <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know it, that we. I think we. We all said Jack in three, which meant that yeah. we were we were pretty hesitant. This we is went, yeah. It's the first time we've had three teams that have fourteen wins going into the playoffs too. Yeah, great season, Scott. I mean, we didn't say it, but great season. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Yep. Thanks, definitely. guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, surprising season. I definitely got lucky a few times, but a few of my prospects are starting to do some fun stuff. So it was, I really so, enjoyed this year. I did break down some of the, the numbers of our guests. So obviously both of, both of our teams, 14 and 5, were within uh, a point per week of the season as far as our points go. Um, the uh, Both of us had 10-game winning streaks. This year, yours is uh, closed the season, so you're still actually on it. Um, both of us were four and two versus the other three playoff teams. Uh, both of our staffs, which you know had been my you know my big push for for most of the season, but over the last three weeks, both of our staffs are within a point uh, as well. So it's set up to be a very close game, and I um, I'm looking forward to it. You, like I said, you had a, a a hell of a year. The fact that uh, that again, three of us we have. I was going to say I, I, for a second, I, I thought that, that you might've had the, the best wild card record um, ever, but there was a year where Tim and I, I think finished 16 and three and, and 15 and four back to back in the same division, but still 14 and five is uh, uh, obviously a solid season. And um, again, to have three of us at that record and then the fourth team uh, to drop 60 on the way into the playoffs, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, yeah, yeah, Jack's talking about pitching staff, Scott. Tim uh, shared with us that you had confided in him that you thought perhaps you did wait too long to make an end-of-the-year pitching staff move uh, or some type of move. Do you want to comment on that? I don't know exactly why. I think I was just cautious. And as I was talking to different people, Pops and Dusty, they wanted a lot. So I was really struggling with giving up a, a top tier prospect or player for a playoff run. And I think I, I paused and it, it definitely cost me, you know, even to had to have had a second staff in like the Yankees or the diamondbacks certainly given me some confidence, um, a little more confidence than I have right now heading into the playoffs. So I think it was a miss. I think it was a tremendous learning opportunity for me. 
this year. Um, and, and Tim's given me grief a couple times over the last few weeks. It just you, you got to move at this point in the season. And I learned that this year for the first time. Every year I'm learning something mo- more and I'm getting deeper. And uh, I think this was a this was kind of my bar mitzvah year, my bat mitzvah year, whatever you call it. Like this was the year that I finally feel like now I'm, I'm in the league. I've been in for quite a few seasons now and I'm figuring out kind of these last rookie mistakes and I'm getting them behind me. So uh, yes, I think it's fair to say that I made some mistakes on the pitching staff piece heading into the playoffs. I should have been looking forward to the playoffs a little bit more uh, proactively. And I didn't do that. If this was your bat mitzvah year, uh, do you want to comment on your bris year? I don't know which my bris year. What was that? My first is that when they oh, snip I don't you? Know. Yeah, that's when they yeah. snip you. <laughs> Ritual circumcision. Which I, year um, was that? That was basically Tim saying, "Give me your money, it'll be okay." <laughs> you'll, you'll enjoy this soon. At some point, you'll start. You're going to have fun. Oh my god! You know I. Um, <laughs> oh shit. Oh, I, um, I don't think that I don't, you know, the pitching staff, I don't, I don't, like I said, uh, the Cardinals have been better than, than expected coming in. I don't think that's going to affect you as much The the, um, you know, if, if, and again, we'll see, you never know, you know, Chris could have made a call a few times and uh, a couple of them would have got him into the postseason. And, you know, would that have been better again? You just don't know if he had made the postseason lost. And then as soon as he lost, he would have been upset that he had given up Jorge Alfaro or, you know, whoever those other young guys are, you know, the big one may end up being, and obviously the one to pay attention to is going to be Charlie Blackman, who is now tied with Paul Goldschmidt as the best player in the league. So um, the fact that we were both on the phone at the same time, trying to make that decision and, yeah. and he ended up on, on one or the other again, not saying that that will put me over, but um, shit at this point, the way some of my other guys are playing, I'm going to need him to put me over. But We'll uh, we'll see how that one turns out. I think he has seven games at Coors Field this week too. Um, yeah, it's and that was that's really I forgot about that, Jack. Which where you two were really talking both at the same time for Blackman. That was the Trey the the Trey Turner deal that went down, and I think it was uh, on the other side. It was Benintendi and Bregman. You know, it, it's super interesting. I know, Scott, it hurt to see Blackman play against you in the regular season. Wait till the fucking playoffs. I know. I know. But again, these are great. I feel like I'm just going through my curve, my learning curve. And right. it's been a, a tremendous opportunity this this late season. Um, I've had a number of decisions I've had to make that I haven't, frankly, had to make in prior years. So this has been really cool. Hey, and it's, it's not an exact science either. You know, you can throw me in the middle of that. Blackman stuff too, because you, Tim, you offered me Stan and Blackman instead of Stanton and Betts. Correct. And I wanted Betts. Correct. So, you know, there, there is that too. It's a good call. It's a good call. I wonder if Jack would have done Betts. That's interesting. Cause that's what I was betting on. Huh? Would you have Jack? It's hard to say. Now, I don't know. Right? It yeah. is hard to say. I, I would be less likely yeah. than someone. I'm more likely to take the 30 something year old, you know, right. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. But well, you also didn't have I Trout to offer him either. So, yeah, no, no. He's saying in the Turner deal. I, I don't know that I would have, honestly. Uh, Stanton, yes, obviously. You know, uh, Blackman, yes. I, I don't. I like Betts. I do. Um, but I like, you know, I like Turner a lot as well. That's fascinating. 
So, Scotty, you've been in the league for several years. This is your second time in the playoffs. The podcast definitely changes everything. This has been a really cool experience to be on the call and to be able to listen to it. Brag to my kids that, hey, you can down, download my voice on <laughs> iTunes. It's really cool. So uh, just a little bit, we, we discussed early on in the, I think it was the first month of our podcasting, that the fact that we're talking about a team that, or a game that we're competing in at the time against each other, right? And you said that it's it's really opened your eyes. Joe has talked about it opening size as well. What has the podcast specifically done for you? Is it more thinking about theory? Is it more, I think Greg mentioned once that it's about taking inventory of your teams or, you know, you hear Jack break things down in a very analytical way in terms of how he looks at this or... You know, what What have you taken from the podcast besides some cringeworthy jokes? So before, it was essentially me looking at a computer screen a few times a week, mm-hmm. trying to pick. But now it, it, you've added so much texture because there are stories going on now that I'm picking up on. I'm hearing. I don't listen to every podcast, but I've been listening what? more and more. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Got th- three kids and a commute. That sounds like um, an excuse. No, but I but I'm really gravitating to the podcast because I'm enjoying hearing about the other guys in the league. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing uh, about how we debate rules. I love that. It's really interesting to me. So you and uh, Joe have a buddy. I mean, uh, you and Jack have a budding bromance going on too. I mean, I, I definitely it's everybody. There's has no one else on. I'd rather play in the playoffs. Let me just say Oh that. my God. Oh, geez. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think a bouquet of roses are coming your way. <laughs> so I like that, but adding texture, right? So it's you're, what you're saying yeah. is that, so when I first was brought into the league, when Jack brought me in, we worked in a phone room. We were, almost all of us worked side by side. So we had this mm-hmm. and a big part of doing the podcast was to try in some way to recreate a bit of that. And I think, I think hearing you say that says, Hey, at least on a certain level, we did achieve that. And I, that's really yeah. exciting. Um, and and some of the some of the narratives were baseball related, some of them not so much. Um, but that's really cool to hear you say that, and um, that it brought people alive to you. Although yeah. I, I will say these guys are playing characters; they're they're actually much different in real life. Um, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Come on, Tim. Well, all you, right. Let's you, just you are, you are much more of an asshole off the. Air. I was going to say, yeah, I'm a bigger dick. I, I will say that maybe parts of our personality become exaggerated through the lens of, of this. Yeah. So do you think we should take this through the playoffs? Do you think we should continue to do yeah. this? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why everybody's tuning in. They want to see what happens. Right. Does anybody else have any questions for Scotty comments? Uh, yeah, I got a few, but I'm going to hold them for <laughs> knowing he's, he's not going to answer. Up. He's writing them down. <laughs> Favorable randomness to you, sir. Good Thank luck, you. Scott. Thanks, gentlemen. Really appreciate once again being on the show, and it's been a great season. Greg, I wish you more luck next year. Thanks, man. I'll um, take it. And I did miss the Cubs offer too along the way. That was a mistake. It's all right. It's okay, I, I will. I will you know admit to that. The Cardinals are kicking butt week after week after week. I'm not so sure you made a mistake. That's right. After this week, we'll be sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll know. <laughs> we will know. Well, uh, favorable randomness to you, my friend. Thank you for being on this. I know it's it's tough Sunday nights to to get on this call, so thank you for making that happen. Uh, we love you, and um, 
you know, let's trade Ben and Tendi over the over the break. Talk to you later, buddy. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye. See ya. Welcome back. I just want to say that Steve Phillips is an asswipe. I heard that he can only get an erection when he kills drifters. That's the only way that guy can get it. I heard the same, same thing. Same thing. Weird. (laughs) That's weird stuff, isn't it? I hear that he fucking tortures interns and makes them listen to obscure podcasts about baseball, steals their fucking material, and then throws it up on XM radio. You hear I that? I mean, Cialis for Christ's sake, you don't Cialis. need to kill a drifter anymore, bro. Exactly. Cialis. Exactly. Or some sort the of thrill, the hunt arthritis medicine. Fuck you, Steve Phillips. He drafted lasting's millage. Ugh. So Scotty brought up a great, <laughs> he fucking did that piece of shit. Probably met him at a Christmas orgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <Joe. laughs> how many, how many drifters died that night? Oh, Oh my God. The smell of peppermint. <laughs> well, we're not pussyfooting around. No. There's Where's no your drink, Tim? Fuck. <laughs> For those of you listening, there has been a drinking game going on. A number of times anyone says, anytime anyone says pussyfoot, I have to drink. Putting yourself, so drink away. <sighs> Fuck. Okay, great. Fuck Steve Phillips. I know he's stealing our shit. Yeah, Steve Phillips was the GM... For the Mets back in the nineties. You know, I, I went I visited New York for the first time back in the nineties. I was oh, yeah, right out of right. college. Mm-hmm. Uh you guys remember Woodstock ninety four? They the first time they brought Woodstock back after the sixties. Yeah. Yep. Well, sure. I, was, I was one of the, the suckers who uh ponied up, I think it was a like a hundred and fifty dollar ticket back in the nineties. Holy shit. Yeah, I was probably making three hundred dollars a week so that was half a week pay for me <laughs> and so so we get to woodstock on a friday and there's all these rules it's heightened security they didn't want a repeat of what happened you know 30 years earlier for some reason it became so iconic it was a it was the 25 year anniversary so we had a park um like five miles from the actual concert venue you parked your vehicle and then you took a bus in to the to the show and once we got there, we were informed by these, you know, security people that you weren't allowed to take any kind of a tent that had stakes that you pounded into the ground because there was a fear that they would use them as weapons. And so, of course, we were totally unprepared for this. And so we, my brother, the outdoorsman, had this little pup tent, one-man tent that didn't have tent stakes, but the rest of us were screwed. But off we went. And, oh, we weren't allowed to have beer, of course. And so we get to the, by the time the bus dropped us off at the front gates, the entire, I mean, this was the first night. I mean, the thing had only been open for an hour and the whole, all the fences had already been torn down. And so immediately the fact that we paid for these tickets was rendered meaningless. <laughs> we get inside the venue and, and we are fucked up beyond belief because we've been drinking all of our beer in the parking lot because we thought we couldn't take it in. So we weren't going to leave it behind. We drank it all. 
we were stumbling drunk. We get into the venue. First night was beautiful. It was really fun. Great weather, summer weather, August. We all just kind of slept on the ground, passed out on the ground, woke up the next day. So I'm in my early 20s. I'm looking to, you know, the thought of romance wasn't, uh, wasn't something that was, you know, off the, off the um, you know, I, I wanted to find some romances without it. <laughs> and so, so day two, fairly hungover, but the exuberance of youth was fueling me and we were walking around. And guys, I don't know if, if you ever did this, but back at that age, I had certain T-shirts that I consider to be my best T-shirts, the T-shirts that were most flattering on me that were the coolest T-shirts. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep, sure. Okay. So I had one of those T-shirts on, and I thought to myself, man, you are looking good. You know, there's this is a target-rich environment. You're going to, you know, you're going to meet, you're going to get lucky here, buddy. And if you recall, this Woodstock was the muddy Woodstock. You know, on MTV, they showed all these kids jumping in the mud, having a great time, getting totally covered in mud. Let me tell you, that was by far the minority. There was like 10% of those <laughs> maniacs trying to get muddy. The rest of us were just trying to stay clean. And I remember it was probably 10 or 11 uh, the second day, and I had my beautiful T-shirt on that I was so sure was going to get me laid. There was only a, a gentle sprinkle at that point, and there was a few random mud puddles. But some dick, like 20 feet from me, jumped into a mud puddle, and, you know, it was like in slow motion. This tiny quarter-sized dollop of mud, you know, I, I attracted it <laughs> through the air, arcing high in the air, and it landed right on my beautiful, pristine T-shirt. And I was like, fuck, my day is ruined. You know, little did I know what was in store for me. I was like, oh, fuck, this sucks, man. And so my, I was, my day was off to not a good start. And then, of course, you know, the whole, the rule about the tents, that was out the window. Of course, there was beer everywhere. And there was this tiny little beer distributor across the street from the gate getting into the venue. And, of course, the, the wait was like three and a half hours. Like, there was, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of people lined up to buy cases of beer because we'd all left it behind and we waited, you know, we were sure. So, aren't wow. so we waited in line. We paid, I think it was like $50 a case. And again, this was the nineties. I was making $300 a week, but sure. We bought, we bought as much beer as we could carry. And then throughout the course of the day, the rain set in and it was just pouring down rain. And I'm talking guys, you know, there's no seats. There's no chairs. We didn't bring anything to sit on. We didn't have any blankets. Our whole plan was just to sit on the ground, you know, and the ground was liquid all of a sudden. So I was, imagine how exhausted you would be if the moment you woke up in a particular day and you stood up, that was the last time you were going to sit down until you went to bed that night. Because there was just nowhere to sit. And so it was, my, my dilemma was, you know, either sit in, in like a, in a shallow puddle of mud or stand all day. And I didn't like getting dirty, so I was going to stand all damn day. We, you know, we go through the day. It was great music, you know, uh, the bands that were there. I mean, uh, Metallica was great. Uh, Bob Weir was great. Primus was awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, even was... Salt and Pepper were, were great. You know, that was the, the second day. There was a lot of good bands. Um, but eventually, it was time to go to sleep. It was like 2 in the morning. I'd been standing since 7 in the morning, drinking doing other things that were, you know, uh, 
weighing on me. And so, you know, again, I, I was afraid I would drown because there was, it was literally like everywhere was mud. And so I begged my older brother to let me sleep in his one man tent with him. And reluctantly, he finally agreed. The next morning, I wake up in my brother's pup tent and I unzip the zipper to get outside. And my brother's like, Greg, hand me my boots. And so I looked and there was no boots to be seen because, in fact, the path or the little de facto path was a fast moving stream now. Like there was water flooding past us. It was, wow. a, it was a, like a lava flow of mud. And I was like, dude, your fucking boots are gone, bro. <laughs> Downstream. Yeah. And he was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm like, I guess you're going to be barefoot for the rest of the weekend. And he was like, no, no, I have an extra pair of shoes back in the truck. And I was like, that dude, that's like five miles away. So I walked five miles back to get my brother's extra shoes. And I you know, found my friends and we all walked back together. My brother sat in his tent while I walked the five miles each way. And so, you know, it only got worse from there. Like, I couldn't tell where the outhouses began and the mud puddles ended. It was... It was uh, like, oh! I mean, I mean there were, imagine, there was hundreds of thousands, I don't know how many people were there, there was a lot of, maybe 100,000 people or more, maybe a million people, and there was just endless rows of, uh, of porta-potties, but it was also, I mean, there wasn't a dry inch of earth anywhere. It was all, like calf deep mud oh. and you were walking through there. You're walking to the food vendors. And I was, that was back in my vegetarian downstream. period. What's that, Jack? I, I hope the porta potties were downstream from where you guys set up a uh, shop. We were on a little hill <laughs> where we set up shop, but then, you know, we quickly. It's a good strategic that. position. Well, the other, I mean, so I was drinking, I was doing other things and, and, and I was, that was back in my vegetarian days. And I was pretty strict with myself. So all I had to eat for those three days was popcorn. And my brother would give me the buns off his hot dogs. And <laughs> he would eat the hot dog and I would eat the bun. Because all and the grass was underwater. So yeah, there was no grass. It was all gone. It was all like a river of mud. And so, you know, I consider that still to be my Vietnam. You know, I developed my thousand yard stare that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your favorite source, Wikipedia, estimated the attendance at 550,000. Holy it, shit. It was crazy. And, and I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. When I, I mean, you know, there was 10% of the people who were just going cr fucking crazy with the mud, jumping in it, rolling in it, swimming in it, slithering in it. And the rest of us were like half-heartedly tiptoeing around, you know, <laughs> trying to enjoy the music while, you know, not surrendering to the mud. Like, you know. That second, that third day when I stood up and got outside of my brother's tent, there was no way I was going to have anywhere to sit for 15 or 16 hours. It was terrible. The only thing at all that I remember about that was, wasn't there a band that, that everybody in the audience started throwing mud pies at them green or something? Day. Yeah, it was green okay. day. But, you know, me, I wasn't there trying to get muddy. I was trying to preserve my nice t-shirt so I could get a little. But I couldn't. It was terrible. So that's my story. Do you still have that T-shirt? No, I retired it. I, re I retired all those clothes after I got back out. I'll look for the picture. There's a picture of us getting back into the car after those three days. And we're, we, I mean, we covered from head to toe in mud. Did you enjoy the shows? Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. That's, yeah, there you go. I saw, um, actually, I just, I just brought my son to uh, his first Metallica show last month. Um, 
And uh, I was lucky enough. I actually got to see Metallica, the big four they called Megadeth, at Slayer and Anthrax at Yankee Stadium, um, which was a, an awesome show. But I, I bet, I'm guessing, I could be wrong. Um, I know each of you guys have a, uh, a storied history with uh, Mr. Moscato, <clears throat> but I'm guessing that I'm the huh. only one that has actually, <laughs> speaking of concerts, that has actually seen Tim uh, Mosh. Uh, at a live show, I <laughs> we uh, back in the day we actually went and um, they um, I think they had some association with Green Day now that you met, but um, Goldfinger was yeah. the band, and um, we went and saw them at a little dive in um, where the hell was West Palm was West it? Palm Beach yeah yep. West Palm be a little little dive and. Um, they got going and, and just the sh- a lot of energy. I, honestly, uh, as much energy as, as any Pantera show I've been to, any show I've been to, it, it was uh, uh, the whole place just started rocking back and forth and, and bouncing up and down. And all of a sudden I turn around and, and off the stage comes Moscato with uh, <laughs> <laughs> diving into the uh, the pit. I said, there you go. That's uh, That's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> It, he did well out there. I don't. Uh, I don't know what you guys would have considered, but he uh, he actually did well out there. I was impressed. Well, I I need more details on this. So, w- what year approximately were so you? It was about? uh as as probably this would have been ninety four ninety five. We saw him in a in a club that was probably. I can't remember the name of the club. It wasn't West Palm Beach. It was actually Palm Beach. It was a little rougher. Jack got the tickets. He's like, hey, man, like I know we like the same music. You want to go see Goldfinger? Great SoCal punk band. Like, totally legitimate. They, I mean, it, just go back and listen to the music. It, it, it's for real. And it's the reason they're kind of connected with Green Day is Green Day was kind of accused of ripping off their vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, so Green Day, Green Day took it. And softened it up a little and made a ton of money. Where Goldfinger were legit, yeah. um, a little and harder, yeah, a little harder. And so harder basically, yeah. we go there, and it's uh, so LJ was with us. I I'm trying to think. Yeah. There was another person yep. I can't remember. And then you had your girlfriend at the time. So you kind of had to once it started getting nutty, like <laughs> you, you had to go back. And what? So I was I really enjoyed hardcore music and you know I, I i i was young you know i i liked the i won't say violence of it but the energy the kinetic yeah. energy of it and i did do some stage diving what i remember <laughs> from that show though is it was actually in fact the last time i moshed because <laughs> it was you know i was let's see i was 25 years old so i was not really young anymore and although oh, i love the music I found myself, what happened where there was some skinheads at the club and what they had done is they had spread out in a circle around the pit and were weeding people out. And what they did was they stood on the circle with their left arms up and their elbows out. And anytime anyone came close to them, that hit him in the back of the head Ooh. or the back of the neck. Yep. And so it got to a point where um, there were few people left in the circle and you had to fight your way out. Um, which I did and I was fine and I ruined a fucking great pair of fucking vans. It was sad. But the, the, the reality <laughs> did you was tear your surf style jacket. I, I was just t shirt and jeans, you know, it was cool. And, and it was fun and I totally I enjoyed the rest of the show. I was bruised up a little, you know, I, I I'm sure I took some medicine to make sure I felt good <laughs> on the way home. 
And um, but the reality was is that was it. I I fucking that was it. I, I that was my last mosh pit experience, and so it was a great show. I remember it to this day. That's so funny, and thank you for bringing that up. But you know, to me, that 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 was it. I'd been to Lollapalooza '91, Lollapalooza '92, uh, and that's I actually that's when I saw Pearl Jam and realized that there's a they just suck. So it was I saw Pearl Jam. And I saw Rage Against the Machine and Ooh. Soundgarden, right? And Ice Cube in the middle. Primus was the 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 head, the lead set. So it was it was insane for guys our age. This was like the show. It was yeah, ninety one. It was when uh, Andrew, Hurricane Andrew, if you know South Florida history, and oh, yeah. wiped out Miami. We were in yep. Orlando at oh, the time. Sorry. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. And that's when I realized Pearl Jam. They looked they looked uncomfortable up there. And then Rage came on after them and just destroyed them and then Soundgarden came on after them and they were insanely good um and then primus was all right but uh and then uh ice tea was great but yeah good so, times man you but you, so the next time you were in a moshing situation you you had already made the conscious decision that you know what my moshing days have passed me by I, no more moshing for I, me I, I still would go to some shows where there was but again, kinetic energy, right? But I mm-hmm. never, I never mix it up. I was kind of a violent kid, so I, I would, I had a lot of energy, I had a lot of energy, I had a lot of anger, and so when that whole movement came up when I was sixteen, seventeen, into my mid twenties, I was down with that. I just had fun with it. There was never any serious violence. There was never any knives or bottles or anything like that. But it was something. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was aggressive. I, a release. It was a release, and it was. And there were other people released. Sometimes I got, you know, knocked for a loop and sometimes I knocked for a loop. But, you know, the reality was is that at a critical moment in my life, my friend Jack was there to, you know, kind of help shepherd me through it. And, you and know. at 25, you realized washing's a young man's game and, <laughs> it was, and I'm done. I, uh, it was one of I, many <laughs> stages where I realized, yeah, I was too fucking old. Yeah, I wasn't yet creepy old guy at the club, but yeah, I was definitely too old to mosh. Yeah. For sure. So you weren't like Tom, the Tom Brady of moshing. I was definitely I'm gonna, I'm gonna not. I'm going to mosh till I'm 28. No, I was not. I was not. I, a I'm conditioning myself. I'm a nutritionist. I'm going to stay moshing until I'm 28. That's no, my no, no. I was definitely. You were you? Did you feel like that that night that your moshing wasn't at the level that it previously had been? I was he like had dropped the, off. His, yeah, I was like the Jim Plunkett. I was the Jim yeah. Plunkett oh, of moshing. I had a couple of Still yeah, solid. couple of good seasons. Had a long his long career, but. But never, no, I was not the goat. I was not because you couldn't mosh the way you previously had, and if you couldn't mosh at that level, it was you were just going to hang out by the back bar. <laughs> yeah, it it, it didn't okay. go. It what didn't take long for me to be near the mosh pit to be yeah in the back observing, commenting, criticizing from afar. <laughs> yes, much like, like so now, like right athletes, now, <laughs> you, you become a commentator. <laughs> right. I for the next couple of years, he just stood on the edge with his elbow sticking out. <laughs> that was rough. That was brutal. I, and at, at one point, Jack had did contemplate coming in to get me. So if you want to talk about a friend, um, you know, that I, I believed him when he said, you know. Afterwards. But um, I can't remember. It was, yeah, it was several years hence, Tim would tell people, I used to mosh. Yeah. Hey, see those guys over there? I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's part of my history. I mean, it truly is. <laughs> I, I I get it and I appreciate it. And I uh, I will tell you though, at Lollapalooza '91, 
I, I did not mosh in the Soundgarden pit because they were launching people in the air. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen this at several stadium yeah, I've seen big that. things. Thank and you. I just thought that, that even then I was like, and what was I, what, 21 at that time? I was if, like, you, <laughs> if you want to see something um, that just really is taking it to the next level, a level beyond almost comprehension, um, the band called Lamb of God. And um, you can Google it or YouTube it. It's the uh, the Wall of Death they call it, and uh, it's a uh, an orchestrated uh, mosh, if you will. It's uh, it's interesting. Jesus, yeah, these young kids today. What are they fucking thinking? My God, <laughs> they're, not, they're not pussyfooting around. That's for sure. They're definitely not Jeez. pussyfooting <laughs> around. Two times. <laughs> All right. One bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. Well, gentlemen, first of all, Jack, Joe, good luck. Must yeah, be guys. fucking nice. It's awesome. You both have awesome teams. I I do think a a, a low key and swag World Series would be hella fun. It Just would be great. Hella fun would make me very happy. I'm I'm it sure would be it good would for the podcast. Well, and just, I mean, your teams deserve it. I mean, you, you did all the right things from picking the right pitching staffs to making aggressive trades to really kind of sharing your philosophies, your strategies, talking about it on the podcast, leaving it out there for everybody. I think it's awesome. And I'm super excited for you. And, um, even though Greg and I were sure that we, this game that we were playing was going (laughs) to, was going to see, was going to determine who was first seed and who was second seed. Right. I was going to say the the um the the probability the fact that we deserve it the uh the 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 fate that is the matchup between me and Joe clearly we've learned if we've learned nothing this season that Mike and Scotty will be playing for the championship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, right. The only thing I can say though it's awesome. So I'm super excited so Bockers we will be doing this for uh, at least the next four weeks, if not the next six weeks. And um, I'm glad because I've I've really come to, over the last five months, look forward to this time with you guys and uh, enjoy it. And it sounds like there's some other Bockers out there that really like it too. So love you guys. Hope you have a great night. And uh, again, best of luck. We'll all be watching. Peace, guys. Thanks. Good luck. Sayonara.
<laughs> Let's go into ghost adventures mode. Oh my God! There's a presence of a spirit. I the air around me just got noticeably colder. You know, <laughs> there's a light orb that flew into Joe's head. <laughs> the cord that could have been dust. I don't know which. No, that's just my bald head. <laughs> 